Welcome to the New Zealand Property Market Podcast, brought to you by CoreLogic, produced by Agents TV for the 26th of July, 2021. I'm here to research Nick Goodall, and today I am coming to you from Christchurch, myself in person, here with our Chief Economist, Calvin Davidson, in the, the Christchurch office, or uh, Calvin's house. Um, Calvin, how are you, mate? We're good. Yes, very good. We've, uh, we've had an excellent weekend and, and doing this in person, yeah, very, um, very different scenario, but cool. You know, we've not been able to do it before, so... Interesting to see how it goes. We've had some technical uh, setup things and um, yeah, get into it. It's, it's amazing the thing that we've done this for however long now, probably almost 18 months, and we've never actually recorded in person together. So we're so used to seeing each other on, on our computer screen. It's kind of weird being being in person to have a yarn about these things. But uh, yeah, we'll certainly kick off and see how things go. Good weekend though, mate. How was, how was the weekend down here? Weekend was good. Yep. We've got uh, family in town. So, um, you know, family stuff, young kids. Yeah, our kids have... And really enjoyed having their cousins around. So that's been cool. Actually, and really good to see that they don't see each other too much. They live in the, the rest of the family lives in Australia. So yeah, the, obviously with COVID, you know, it's going to change things around. But but it's been cool. And um, yeah, another busy week here. And the new house, which I've got to check out too, which is very nice. Yeah, so new that's house. cool. Yeah, yeah, new house. Um, I think we're pretty much, you know, like, like you see, like you've seen, we've, we've pretty much got it sussed out, hopefully. Uh, a few things still to go, but what pictures up on the walls? But uh, but no, it's good, and um, we are in a little bit of a construction site, which which we can um, you know verify and vouch for the strength of construction. So, uh, but no, it's great. Yeah, really, really happy. Just nice to see the other uh, fire roaring in the corner, mate. So yeah, it's right. always a good yeah. comfort of home. Yeah. <laughs> How's your weekend? Yeah, good, mate. Yeah, good. Pretty much same old, but a personal stuff at a party of a friend's uh, on Saturday night. So indulged a few too many, and then um, rest of the time just lots of family stuff. Had decent weather, so uh, yeah, sitting on not too much to complain about. It was it was good, mate. But um, yeah, let's let's kick into things then. Uh, I don't think it was it was a week that we saw too much new data released. Um, but of course, ourselves we had our quarterly property market and economic report released to the market very late in the week. Um, so I thought probably worthwhile just recapping that one. I know that you led that to media. Um, you know, how did you, how'd you find that went? And what were the sort of parts of the report that were picked up on by the media that you thought, thought were, you know, of most interest that uh, we could talk about today? Yeah, I mean, for me, I think the the key thing, probably our headline as well that we we published was all about this, this idea of a turning point and, you know, are we there? Maybe, you know, you could debate whether we're there, whether we're not. It's not really the point. It's it's about, you know, we've been talking for a while about the slowdown and, you know, just starting to gather that evidence, I guess, of, of that turning point and, and starting to see it and, you know, kind of seeing those valuation volumes uh, tailed off a little bit. Uh, we've certainly seen it. Well, you know, the price price measures slowing a little bit and also bioclassification has definitely turned down for those mortgage investors. So I think that, that turning point thing was probably the thing and um, yeah, so that's pretty much what people picked up on, and, and obviously a key topic of interest for people. And and but also important to emphasise that that difference between slowdown and downturn. And you know we're talking about slowing growth rather than a, a big slump. Um, and part of that, trying to get that idea across that you know, unemployment's still low. Uh, so that we've seen historically that that sort of as a foundation for the market and insulation. And and so yeah, that can probably guard a little bit against. 
rising mortgage rates, which we know are now on the cards. So, so yeah, those those were the big picture themes, and and yeah, got a lot of a lot of interest. Yeah, I think um, you know, I read a bit of the coverage, and and for my sins, even saw some a few comments, which is probably the, the worst thing to do. But um, I think you know it is worth reiterating that we were clear to point out that you know the one point eight percent monthly growth, which you know which we pointed out when we reported the index at the start of the month, is still quite strong growth. Um, but it is lower than it has been for the last two months. We have seen that that monthly growth rate start to slow down. But I think the thing that really stuck out for me when I wrote that article um, around the index, and I think comes out in the report as well, is that what we are starting to see is some differences around the different regions. And that is, I think that's the thing that really stuck out for me when you look at that index data, is that you know there were three places across the country that saw values decrease according to the index. Um, and to me, that's a bit of a surprise to happen so soon. And yes, it's only one month, and so you've got to be cautious around that. But most of the places also slowed down. So to see it sort of as wide ranging as that, when you look outside just the national measure, that's why I sort of talk about it being a, a potential turning point. And I think that's where we've talked about this a little bit that there is this you know expectation that this could be you know affected or, or impacted differently around the different parts of the country as well. And um, those that had strong growth or maybe been very strong investment areas may not see the same growth in the future we may see that growth start to actually turn the other direction for for a bit um, and that's kind of i think what we're trying to what we're trying to point out here um certainly not that yeah 1.8 percent growth means that things have gone to crap and and the market's suddenly not going to have any growth left in it it's uh that's certainly not the case so i, I think that came out as well but of course you do get um you know different media outlets pick up on certain parts of the report or our our points and so that can lead to you know headlines which make it look like we're we're saying things are probably worse than they are as well. So I think that's that's the other thing I sort of picked up on from from my view of some of the coverage that I was seeing that the that the report got. Um, and we're certainly do some more work to understand you know those areas that might have more vulnerability than others for a greater slowdown or potentially a little bit of a downturn as well. So yeah, yeah. <clears throat> the other thing just on that kind of acknowledging the full story. You know, some I guess sometimes headlines will pick up on a certain aspect. And I saw a few comments as well. One of them was around how, well, uh, perhaps you don't have much feel for the market because, hey, look, you haven't really commented on, on uh, interest rates. And the thing is, we always do. Um, it's just that, you know, sometimes the headlines will pick up different things. And, and I think just emphasising on interest rates that, yep, they're going up, but nobody's really talking about them spiking you know, massively quickly or to a massively high level. So we're still talking about an interest rate environment that's, you know, not disastrous for the property market, but I think also trying to emphasise in those interviews that it's definitely something to be aware of, for sure. I mean, we've talked about it before as well. Coming off a low base, it could have quite a proportionally large impact also on a, on a, on a larger mortgage for people with mortgages. So, yeah, there's, there's a, we're always covering, we'll try to cover at least all the points, and sometimes, yeah, the media will, will not, just by, by necessity, not be able to cover all of it. So. Yeah. So yeah, there's that too. Absolutely. And I think there were some figures in the release talking about, you know, a 1% increase in interest rates and how much that means it's going to lead to, you know, a typical mortgage holder having to pay extra. Um, so there was that stuff in there. But, you know, again, I think the point has to be we're not expecting OCR to lift really quickly. And I know that, yes, everyone sort of brought forth their expectations for an August lift. Um, but even then, it's probably only 0.25%. And, you know, there might be a second lift you know, late this year, in start of next year, but you're still at 0.75 OCR, still very low levels. I mean, the other side of this is, of course, yep, most people have only 
many people have only seen their mortgage payments drop as opposed to start to increase um, and talked about with Rupert the other week. And he was sort of saying that, you know, 50% of people will still keep their payments the same size, even though the interest rate drops, which means that when the interest rate lifts again, they're potentially not going to pay any extra so they can harbour those those changes as well. So I think there are heaps of moving parts here. And as you said, we can't give everything I mentioned in every single write-up we do. Um, while the quarterly report is the best opportunity to do that. Um, but what the media pick up on is very different as well. So, so yeah, I think that's that's not a bad summary. Um, and then we try and cover all those, those different angles. Um, but never we can't do it all anyway. So um, any, anything else from the quarterly report, mate? Anything that really covers us off? Well, I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, just emphasising that, you know, hopefully we're right. That, that uh, uh, well, depending on your perspective. But, you know, it feels like we're at, at that turning point and, you know, you've got to make a call one way or another. And so we'll, we'll time will prove whether we're right or wrong. To right, yeah. I mean, the last week I'm down here for a presentation today and, and last week I did one in Wellington and they sort of said, you know, they sort of made the joke that, you know, no, everyone makes these predictions and none of them ever come true. It doesn't really matter. Um, but for the one last week, it's like, well, I'll see you guys in another two or three months. And so we can actually, <laughs> I'll try and bring up the data and say what I expected to happen and what does happen. So, yeah, we'll try and stick it stick it out there and say, yeah, we, what we're expecting to happen mostly happened or, or otherwise um, and keep ourselves honest in that sense as well. Um, so, and yeah, but I think the, the other thing, you know, we are in Christchurch. Um, we do a presentation this afternoon for an investment forum. And, um, you know, looking at the Christchurch data, I think it's fair to say, you know, there doesn't seem to be many signs of the slowdown here as much. Um, that growth rate is still relatively strong, especially for the, the recent, you know, size of Christchurch's growth. Um, so maybe one of the areas to, to buck that trend could well be Christchurch. And I think that would reflect the fact that things are, a little bit more affordable here. Um, you know, we know that average price over the, the last seven or eight years hasn't increased the same as it has around the rest of the country. Um, yes, it's caught up, trying to play catch up right now, but um, even then you're not seeing that slowdown occur too much like we are in some of the other, certainly the main centres, um, and that average value here is much lower than it is in most of those other places. So that's going to continue to appeal for whether it's people and occupiers moving here and living here, or those investors who might be looking for that yield, which is going to be getting squeezed more and more as we get higher interest rates, um, you know, increased costs because of the, the tax changes, um, all those things are going to make people look at Christchurch and see it much more, you know, um, profitable than, than some other areas as well. So maybe this will be one area that does does buck the trend. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and, and I've had questions about that for a long time, and, and, and even just Thursday, Friday from from journalists. So that's that's still out there. I guess we're always getting asked, well, can you see it in the data? And you know, sometimes it's a bit hard because there's, there's a bunch of moving parts, and maybe it's too early. But it, but it, yeah, it feels on the ground like it's happening. And um, in terms of people moving here for those affordability reasons, just yeah, sometimes a little bit hard to detect. But but it certainly feels on the ground like it's happening. Yeah, and then the other thing you go well, you know, there's still so much construction happening. Um, as you said, we're sort of, you're sort of in a construction area around here with lots of other houses being built, and you just bought your own house. You know, you do wonder at some point, is there a chance of oversupply? But as long as that demand continues and there seems to be, you know, pretty decent certainty for that, then, um, then I suppose it'll continue. But when you look at those consenting figures, you do see that those the levels in Christchurch are holding up quite high, much higher than they ever were in the past. You know, come down off the post-earthquake construction peak, but they have leveled off at a relatively high level. And you do wonder how long that can, can keep going on for. Um, but I suppose if there's strong projections for, for people moving here, then that's the other other side of it that you, maybe you can. And, and if it's affordable, then many people will be able to, to you know, move out of other households. And that's maybe you'll see a, a greater household creation figure level than you do around the rest of the country where it's so expensive that you have to have more people living per household. And, and that's maybe not the case here in Christchurch or, or won't be in the future. So, 
yeah, that's sort of thing I think that's um, really interesting about the Christchurch dynamic. Yeah, definitely. And, and I mean, who knows about the borders? Yeah, well, if, if uh, all these projections of new housing supply come true, and you know, there's there's a lot of consents around where I live and, and so on, that you're going to need some people to fill them. And so I suppose that some of that will depend on migration. Who knows what's going to happen there? But yeah, um, as always, there's lots of things to consider. Yeah, yeah. I mean, your job prospects and everything, right? People actually build those houses. So yeah, it's all all that stuff's all tied in. Um, okay, all good, mate. Well, I think the only other main piece of data that was out last week that we we track is the New Zealand Activity Index. So it is, of course, our early read on the GDP figures. It's a monthly series. So it was for June. And I know it was a pretty strong number. We've obviously been cautious around talking about, you know, it's difficult because it's a yearly comparison. And, and even June last year, we were, the, the, the economy wasn't operating to its full extent. Um, but yeah, what, what was the figure on that one, Calvin? And then where are you at with sort of seeing a real read from how our economy is performing from this data? Yeah, so the latest number for June, as you mentioned, 6% up annually. Now that's still... Yeah, probably higher than, than a little bit higher than what you might think. Um, certainly not as high as it was, I think, in, in April, it was about 40% up, and May was something like 10%. So, you know, 6% when you look back at history pre-COVID, still a really strong number. So I think it's probably slightly inflated a little bit still by, uh, you know, the, the base effects issue. But it seems like we're getting back to normality. So you, you'd think that July's number, you know, I can't remember which subsequent lockdowns we had, mm. But you'd think that at least that initial problem of base effects has, has passed through and obviously the subsequent lockdowns were shorter slash smaller, less extreme, whatever. <clears throat> so you, you, you anticipate that this NZAC should get more and more useful again. But I think that 6% figure still may be artificially high, but you know, still a good number and, and confirms that, that the economy is recovering, which, yeah. we, which we we know and see. Yeah, exactly. Then the other thing I wonder is, was June, and like I say, we wanted to go back and look at the actual dates we come out of level three and into level two, and, you know, that was a chance where, I mean, I'm trying to think back, but it was always it's level three, but with takeaways open and things like that, and there was this talk that we all sort of came out and started to spend quite a lot, um, you know, maybe even spent more than we otherwise would have, and so it could have actually overinflated last June, which would mean that this thing would be even stronger than otherwise. Um, so there's lots of lots of moving parts of that one as well. So I think we need to be just sort of a little bit conscious about. But I think that, as you say, the upshot has to be the fact that it's a, um, you know, a relatively solid number. Um, and we are getting back towards normality, as you said, seeing that number 40, 10%, 6%, we're obviously getting back to, to you know, what we should be able to track as, as a normal um, measure, which will give us a great read on, on the early GDP figure for Q2, of course, which we won't get for, I don't even know what it is, another six weeks or something now. Um, so, so yeah, it's good to know. And, and you know, they'll, they'll obviously give us more than just a yearly comparison when those GDP figures come out. And that's, that'll be interesting to see how that Q2 has performed uh, when we get to that time as well. Um, so I think moving on then, the, um, the other, I suppose we're really looking for what's happening this week. I think the main data release that we'll be paying attention to is the Reserve Bank lending data for June. Um, just as before we came to record this morning, we did see an email from the Reserve Bank saying that the statistics will um, not just you know be, be out later today, but they'll, they'll also have the new breakdown um, of those, those investor lending below 60% or requiring that 40% deposit, of course. So what else are you expecting from the Reserve Bank lending data? Well, yeah, I, I, I think probably the headline number yeah, it will be interesting. Maybe not as much interest as some of the breakdowns, 
because we knew we already know the sales activity was was kind of holding up okay in June. So these these reserve bank lending figures you'd expect will be kind of pretty strong again as well. So I think as for a while now, actually, it's more it's probably more about the LVR breakdown. We talk about we've got the new cut of the data. It'll be interesting uh, trying to figure out what extra insight we can get from cutting that a bit differently. So there's that, and also um, as always, the interest only breakdown. You know, is that is that. I mean, it's faded a little bit in terms of importance for investors because the Reserve Bank's sort of moved on from interest-only stuff. But so there's that as well. And, and yeah, just um, any other any other breakdowns we can get, the, the, I suppose, the strength of investors versus owner-occupiers. So I think it's that breakdown stuff rather than the headline figure, which should still be pretty high. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, looking at looking at LVRs. Yeah. And I think, you know, because we have our bifurcation data that's a little bit before the lending data from the Reserve Bank, I think we'd be expecting to see you know, first home buyer lending will remain stronger than investor and that, that could well lead some of the headlines as well. So that's one thing I'd expect as well this afternoon. Um, but otherwise, I think you're right, it's just going to be that some of the LVR breakdown, but because they're operating under their limits, it's probably not going to be too much of a surprise either. Um, but the point you made before we started recording was that we should have seen this last month because, of course, May's data, um, or, you know, in May, they were supposed to be adhering to the new 40% deposit requirement or 60% LVR. Um, and yeah, we didn't even know if they were or not because the data didn't didn't break down the reporting like that. So we'll now get that data this afternoon for both May and June. So that'll be really interesting. So, okay, no, that's cool. We'll, we'll keep an eye out for that one. There's a few other data releases this week. I don't think we need to step through all of them, Calvin, but do you want to touch on a couple and maybe some of your expectations? I think maybe one of the ones for me, um, because of all the interest rate chat, you know, the expectations of the OCR um, in sort of the third week of August and what might happen there with it lifting is probably what happens with the monthly jobs data for June. I know that, you know, the more official view is unemployment data, uh, which is out, I think, next week. Um, and, and you sort of said before that if that data comes in and is really strong, so unemployment drops further, that that might be the sort of final, uh, wrong terminology, but nail in the coffin for the OCR starting to lift. Um, so maybe just your expectations around that, touch on the other things that are coming out this week, and then, um, yeah, we can sort of get on with the rest of our day. Yeah, I think with the jobs data, it's, like you said, as a pre the unemployment figures, and, and you'd be definitely expecting these jobs data, jobs figures to still be pretty strong, you know, about sort of 2.23 million was what we had last month. That's the number is, of people at employed work, and, essentially. And filled jobs. Filled yeah. jobs. So that's... That's above COVID or pre-COVID, so it's so it's been. You know, this has been one of the success stories of the, the sort of post-COVID phase, I guess, is the labour market. And so, you know, if employment's holding up, you would anticipate that unemployment should be at least as strong as it was last quarter. And it, it all depends. I think we've talked about it before. It depends a little bit on how many people come back to the labour force and how many might drop out. So there's again moving parts, but I think in principle you'd expect that if employment's stayed pretty strong. Uh, then unemployment, or pretty much the flip side, will have also been been low. And you know, there may be technical things around the exact way that the numbers wash out. But um, I, I think these are certainly preempt those numbers. If, if employment's strong, then then unemployment, you'd, you'd, you'd lock in a, a low unemployment figure for August the 4th, I think it is, uh, which will be a couple of weeks before the Reserve Bank meeting. And, yeah, so I expect some speculation on, on Wednesday, I think it is, about... You know, looking at the jobs numbers, but also speculating about what they mean for that for that fuller labour market release and therefore the official cash rate. And I think, yeah, gee, who, who knows? Well, it's it's obviously up for grabs yet, but but that you know 
anybody with a mortgage certainly be preparing for those higher rates because they're coming sometime, whether it's August or November or in between. Mm. Um, yeah, they're definitely on the way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, no, nah, cool. And so any other what are the other sort of economic things you're watching out for this week? Yeah, um, confidence from ANZ, business and consumer confidence. And I think these these are related to the OCR thing as well. That people have people still are paying attention to the headline. You know, what 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 are firms saying about their expectations for business activity and what are consumers saying about how they're feeling. But actually it's those those sub measures that people are now looking at. What are you what are you doing to your prices? You know, what as consumers, what do you think people are going to do to their prices? And um, you know, that's what the Reserve Bank we're conscious about is the spiral of expectations and and so so yeah probably again i suspect people will be looking below the surface and, and looking at those those inflation implications and uh yeah then building consents for june probably yeah, this this might sound a little boring but it's it's still a good story you know this is something that's been a good story for a long time we're, we're building a lot consents are high and you expect that june numbers will be the same it's uh auckland again it's it's smaller dwellings you know that this this Good story of intensifying the housing stock, uh, but of course you can't sort of talk about it at the moment without noting capacity pressures, cost increases. We've we've been reading a few stories about this very issue about how um, you know cost increases are definitely coming through, and I suppose it's nailing down exactly how much they are. So there's there's a big issue there, I think, in terms of what it means. You know, you'd think that high construction costs would curve demand just at the point when we need it. We need people to keep wanting to build houses. So there's, yeah, there's some issues looming out there for sure for the construction industry. And we're even, even just putting aside cost issues, we're probably going to see that, that lag between uh, getting consent and getting completion stretch out a bit. So yeah, there's, there's it's, it's ironic that it comes along just at the wrong time. Really. Mm. Yeah. That's, that's a good point that I think that this is probably you know, more and more becoming a big part of the conversation is what's happening in construction. So I think it is something that's really worth noting what's going on in that space. Um, on a personal perspective, we've kind of gone a slightly separate route to you guys in terms of we've just got some plans for an extension in our house from the architect last week. So uh, we've sort of been delving into this as well and no doubt starting to get a, a personal feel for what's happening on that um, cost construction side of things as well once we start to actually talk to builders about building this extension, which I have no hopes are going to happen anytime in the next year or so. Uh, we're sort of talking summer 2023, I think, is probably being optimistic itself because um, we just know how hard it is to, to get builders and to get people and, and then have that, those materials that are required to do an extension like we were expecting. Um, so again, we'll have some more personal things to back up, but as I think there are lots of stories out there. There is plenty of focus on this, that the costs are increasing, um, you know, and, and from the insurance side of things as well. Um, that's certainly tied into that with your, I'm sure, calculation required. So, yeah, there is plenty going on here, um, and we will always pay very close attention to those building consent figures, um, and not least the fact that, as you say, the fact that, yeah, the Auckland ones especially, you know, the more what we call smaller type properties, the units, the townhouses, the apartments, that's what's dominating in Auckland, and it needs to. Um, and something that's maybe, you know, again, come up more recently for me is there's been a lot more questions about comparing to Australia once again, and one thing I think it is worth recognising is that in Australia, they certainly have more of those unit-type properties. Um, I think the figures off the top of my head, so don't quote me on this, is, you know, Sydney's made up of 40% or something of smaller units, whereas in Auckland, even though we're now, you know, increasing at a rate of 50% or, you know, more than half are those smaller-type units, the average, the, the total number of, you know, the stock 
is uh, 20 25% of those smaller units. So it's a very different makeup and, and the infrastructure really isn't there to support it in Auckland like it is in somewhere like Sydney. And that does affect, you know, affordability in both places, um, you know, access to transport and, and livability across those different centres as well. So, yeah, I think there's another question that we'll keep getting as well as that comparison to Australia. Uh, we've done some work on it previously and we might well um, do a bit more, delve more into that at some stage as well. But that's an interesting one. And, and around construction, I think, is a key one because they've got a much better uh, market for construction, I think, in Australia than they have done for a while. And that reflects their, their stock of property um, and also, you know, that they didn't have some, the same rate of growth in the last few years prior to COVID either. So, yeah, certainly one more to look out for. Nice. Yeah, just on the infrastructure thing, and that was at, at that uh, value at the PINS conference uh, a week or so ago that I was at. Uh, you know, you get you get a lot of discussion on lots of different things, but but probably the future supply issue was was if anything the biggest one. And and you know, some questions I had on stage from from Paula Bennett were about that very issue: build to rent might reflect her background a little bit, or the job she's in now, but but build to rent. Uh, infrastructure and you know, those were those were the big issues and and it's not so much yeah maybe not not so much well who's going to fill them it's about well how do we get them in the first place and that seemed to be the issue for people so yeah there's there's but nothing new no. but it's been a, it's been a long term issue and especially about getting the infrastructure in the right place where people want to live and and you know it's one thing to build the houses but they also got to get there so so yeah that, that infrastructure thing isn't going away that's yeah sure yeah no, exactly i think it's the infrastructure allowing planning in the right places that already have good infrastructure because infrastructure is such a long-term investment commitment and typically we don't see you know the investment we haven't in the past seen that investment from government and from the councils themselves to really invest properly in infrastructure to allow that intensification of uh of dwellings in the right areas and that's something that certainly held the market back but pushed prices up um and yes like i say it's not not something that's going to go away anytime anytime soon so um certainly one worth paying attention to um cool mate well is there anything else you want to chat about today no no that's it awesome uh, crazy to do it in person but um yeah you can get a, you can get a, you can get a nice flow going so yeah it's pretty good you certainly it's a bit easy to have that interaction i think that's so right, it's yeah. been it's been good nice. uh, awesome mate well thanks as per usual very very good to cover off that quality report i think there was quite a bit of coverage of it and i know that you uh spent a bit of time putting that together so uh good to be able to chat about that at the same time uh, it just leaves me to say thanks very much for listening please do subscribe rate and review us and hit that auto download button so it's straight into your podcast player every Monday afternoon. Do feel free to get in touch with us. Um, you know, we're available via Twitter, LinkedIn, email. Um, you know, I might read a few of those comments online, but I uh, won't necessarily engage in all of them, but feel free to contact us direct um, and all those details are within your podcast player. Just leaves me to say thank you very much for listening. My name is Nick. His name is Calvin. We're both here from Christchurch. You've been listening to the New Zealand Property Market Podcast. Uh, Tewa. Well.